It's the Ring Around NFL show. Kevin Clark here with Robert Mays. Robert, there's a new Showtime original comedy series called White Famous about trying to make it in Hollywood. I heard about it. It stars Jay Farrow from SNL as Floyd Mooney, a comedian whose career is about to blow up. But apparently, he's not sure he's ready for all that. That's like us, Robert. We tried to make it in Hollywood, too. But he's struggling <laughs> with the notion, can I make it without losing my soul? The answer for us is already no. My soul has been gone for a long time. The show is produced by Jamie Foxx and Tom Capinos, who created Californication. Yeah, the show is actually based on Jamie Foxx's real-life experience. It also stars Michael Rappaport, Lonnie Chavis, and a bunch of other great names. The two-episode season premiere is Sunday, October 15th at 10 p.m., only on Showtime. You can also watch the great series premiere right now for free on YouTube. Download the Showtime app now to start your free trial. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined as always by my good friend Robert Mays. Robert, week five of the NFL season. Was last night's Patriots win a moral defeat, as our friend Bill Simmons thinks? I think it kind of might have been. I mean, Nick Folk missing, how, how many field goals did he miss? Seven? Nick Folk missing seven field goals is the difference in that game. It's not exactly like the Pats walked all over a team that wasn't playing very well to start with. I mean, it, I think the Bucks are solid, and but I don't think that they were the best version of themselves last night. And the Patriots still had problems. I, I mean, it. nobody came out of that looking good. I'll say that much. In order to be a team that makes the leap, you have to have everything break right for you. And I just, that was the clearest example that the Bucks are not going to be that team this year. Like, that was it. They win that game. If they're this year's Raiders, they win that game because it was a winnable game. Watching them over the past couple weeks, I didn't watch. The, I haven't gone back and watched the Giants game again, actually, but I watched it live and I watched the Vikings game live and then again. And then last night I tweeted this yesterday and I wholeheartedly believe it. The Bucks, especially with Doug Martin running like he was last night with Mike Evans, Doug Martin, Deshaun Jackson, the Lions playing better. Yeah, you can't have Jameis do this. They like just the idea that every once in a while he's going to do something that is completely just off the rails, dumb, and short circuit everything they're doing on offense to know it's going to happen four or five times a game. I understand that that's just who he is, and you have to live with that if he's your quarterback, but you can't do that as an offense. There's just no way to be that successful if that's who you're going to be. Who's the Name a quarterback that throws a just mind-boggling interception once a week or tries to throw multiple. There just isn't one. There isn't an offense. Brett Favre did it for 10 years. I guess that's the only one. I mean, if, if he's Brett Favre, there's one example of every good quarterback. No, I mean, you have to seen. be so. In, you have to, you have to throw saying. five interceptions. You have to throw five touchdowns and one interception per game, and the one interception is insa- insanely stupid. Like that, that's so the model times. to win. That's the model to win with those sort of interceptions, is to be incredible on 38 other attempts. I also tweeted this anyway. last night, and I was, I'm curious. I mean, how good of a coach is Dirk Cutter? Like, what, what's the answer no. to this question? I don't know if he's that good. No. I mean, the reason he got that job is because they wanted some continuity with Jameis. They thought he was going to get hired in San Francisco, so they brought him back, and they fired Lovey because they said, we've got something here with the quarterback. It hasn't gotten much better. I, I mean, it just there seems to be a stale element to that offense, and I don't know if it's Jameis. I don't know if it's him. It doesn't seem like they do that much stuff that's, overtly creative every time i've talked with people about cutters yeah. is that he does what he does and that's it which when your stuff works that's fine but i'm always wary of coaches like that so i don't know it, it just seems like there aren't 
there isn't a trajectory from them that we thought and that we hoped we might see. Two things with Cutter. Number one, Mike Malarkey got the job in Tennessee for the same reason, which was, yeah. oh, he's got, he knows the schemes. He knows the quarterback. We want continuity. We think we're going in the right direction. We're just going to go with this guy. And I don't know if finding the guy down the hall is the right team building strategy as far as a head coach for a young quarterback. Yeah. I mean, there's I a know. reason. I, I know why they did it, but at this point, again, it just seems like there's some stagnation. They seem to maybe have hit I'm a wall. Wrong. And maybe that's Jameis. Again, it's hard to parse this, but it just feels like that offense should be better, and we'll see if they can get there. I mean, they individually, the players Isn't on the team also, are also. Is there an example of a coach who failed at the college level who then succeeded at the NFL level? Because Jim Caldwell, great question. not a good Wake Forest coach. Like, I feel like <laughs> if you have a long time, and if you don't know, Dirk Cutter was the coach at Arizona State. If yeah. you don't And 20 succeed, other places if you've seen his office. <laughs> Boise State. <laughs> if, you, if you don't succeed when given a long time at a college program, and, and by the way, a program with a lot of resources like Arizona State, I'm starting to think maybe you're not a good coach. Yeah. And the other side, I, of the ball, I, I, I just want to mention that I, again, this is stuff where I was talking about last night, but Brady was awesome after the, the minus a couple drive throws early. That pick was just really weird. And he had a couple others that on the first couple drives, was like, what is he doing? But down the stretch, he was damn good. I mean, he was just delivering some missiles yesterday. I was very impressed. I, I was on a red eye last night, so I was only following it via Twitter but it seemed like, I mean, man, when the Patriots give you a game, you got to pounce on it. They're, I predicted in August and July and even June that, that the Bucks were this year's Raiders, and I'm just not seeing it. I, it's not They're not taking the leap I thought they were going to take. We'll see. I mean, in the NFC, it's not as if there are these really good second-tier teams. I mean, who's the second NFC wild card right now? Washington, Detroit? I, don't, I mean, it just feels like yeah, they could be in the mix for that. I, I feel like that second tier in the NFC is not as good as it seems right now. I've been more impressed with Detroit than Tampa Bay. That's that's fair. They've played better. So, yeah, we'll see. I I think there's still a lot there. But again, they might just be Matt Stafford is they are. Matt Stafford is a hell of a lot better than Jameis Winston at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it's Friday. So we're going to get you up to speed on everything you need to know about week five. We'll also have our colleague Danny Kelly joining us with his fantasy advice later, Robert. And we're going to try something new with the ringers. Joel Solomon called Am I Crazy? But for now, let's get things going with our favorite four. These are our four favorite matchups of the weekend. Robert, who's your first one? Seahawks-Rams. We were talking about it on the Tuesday show, which is just weird. You know, a game every single year that is close but miserable. They should let Jeff Fisher come back and coach the team. Oh, I'm really excited. I I just feel like... He always made this a three-point game, a 12-9 to game. We'll see what happens with that Rams offense against the Seahawks defense. The Seattle won't have Jeremy Lane or Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill seems like that's going to be a while. So they'll be starting the rookie corner opposite Sherman. And then when they go to nickel, it's going to be even more shuffling. So it just feels like this is going to be not the Seattle defense we're going to see at the end of the season. And we'll see if the Rams can take advantage of that. I mean, this Rams team has been able to move the ball pretty consistently in each game. Golf wasn't great against Dallas, but they still put up 35 the only game where they really kind of hit a snag was against Washington. And what we've learned about yeah. Washington over the first month is that their defense is pretty dang good. And the fact that they could kind of, you know, put up a fight against Kansas City, who's been torching everyone, and then they're the only team to hold the Rams under 30. So we're learning a lot about how good the Rams are offensively. And I think that this is going to be another one of those tests. I don't, 
I don't know. I start. I'm st- I really think that they might be okay. So there's two things I'm looking at in this game. Number one, Aaron Donald. If it was just Seattle's offensive line against Aaron Donald, just one person on the defense, what happens? He wins. I mean, I, there's no way. He wins. I don't think all five of those guys could block him. What if it's a jumbo package? They have like seven offensive linemen and then Aaron Donald. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. The this five, is like those old, five, those old, seven, the, the, this is like the old DeBears skit. Like this is, this is Hurricane Ditka is Aaron Donald <laughs> against the Seahawks offensive line. So uh, in my opinion, I think we've both been very hesitant to crown Jared Goff as a legitimately good young quarterback. If he does it against Seattle, it's over. The debate is over. He's a legitimately good young quarterback. Sean McVay is a miracle worker, and this was a great hire. All of the questions that we've had, all the trepidation we've had, oh, well, they just played against the, uh, you know, they played against the Colts. They played against the Niners. Let's pump the brakes on this a little bit. That all goes away Sunday afternoon if Jared Goff puts up 35 points on the Seattle Seahawks. Well, one of the things that they've done really well with the Rams is that they've given him a lot of play action. He's been able to exploit the middle of the field as a result. A touchdown that he threw to Gurley the other day was a good example, but they've had a ton of that kind of stuff. And we'll see if they're yep. able to do that against Seattle. I mean, even with the guys they have out, you still got Earl Thomas back there, um, who actually didn't practice Thursday. It seems like he's going to play, but you know he's a little bit banged up. And then Bobby Wagner's been incredible. So we'll see what they do in the middle of that defense. I just feel like the stuff that the Rams have been able to get in that area of the field may not be as easy to come by against Seattle. And then we'll see what happens with Cup against their just in the inside corners that they're shuffling around here. He's been good all year. Yep. The fact that they may have a matchup advantage there with a third-round rookie, you wouldn't expect that if we talked about this a month ago. So a lot of stuff to watch here. I mean, I feel like we never would have assumed coming into the year that the Rams offense and the Seattle defense would be a matchup between two high-powered units on either side of the ball, and that's exactly where we are. The only thing that is what we thought it was was the Seahawks' offensive line. That's right. That's the only thing we got right, and Aaron Donald's still good. That's pretty much it. That's all we got going for us. <laughs> all right, my game, I love this game. I love this game. It's the Chiefs versus the Texans. It's the Sunday night game, a rare sort of deep-cut Sunday night game that actually ends up being okay. It's going to be a fun one. I'm fired up about this. So if you've been living under a rock for the past month, the Chiefs are the best team in football, maybe ever. They've invented a new scheme. Andy (laughs) Reid is the greatest coach ever. He's managing the clock effectively. Is this actually Andy Reid? Andy Reid's always been good, man. I'm tired of this. (laughs) I love Andy Reid. He's just managing the clock effectively now. Yeah. It's the one thing he hasn't uh, done well. They're playing at Houston, who, even though they don't have a winning record, I mean... Is there any team in the NFL you're more excited to see right now than Deshaun Watson coming off 57 points? I mean, and that Chiefs defense is really good. And, and, and it's almost, it's a little different from golf because we didn't see Deshaun Watson go through a historically bad season. But in general, I mean, as far as answering questions, it's the same thing as the Seahawks-Rams game in the sense that if Deshaun Watson does it against the Chiefs and puts up 40 points then we know what Deshaun Watson is. He made mistakes. He threw off his back foot a couple times. I understand that. But, I mean, in general, I'm I'm ready to buy into Deshaun Watson. We've been ready since April. Couldn't you just see Marcus Peters taking one back in this game, though? It just feels like one of those where yeah. this is the game where Deshaun Watson just tries to do a little bit too much, and the Chiefs are the exact defense that's going to take advantage of that. That just wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he's going to look brilliant in certain yeah. moments and then throw one back-breaking pick, and the Chiefs are going to win this game by 10 points, two touchdowns. And they'll be able to st- the Chiefs will be able to stop the run. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm worried for Deshaun, but I'm also 
incredibly confident in his ability to just make plays. He is a he is an absolute. I know it's a cliche. He is an absolute playmaker, and so I think he, may, he breaks off a couple of big ones. I think the Chiefs win this game close. We'll see what happens again. The, the Texans' offensive line still isn't good. They didn't get magically better yeah. after Week One. It's just that now Deshaun Watson is back there, and, and Watson had to make some plays, kind of moving around and darting in on a traffic against New England. So having to do that against a team with a real defensive line, I mean, Chris Jones and Justin Houston are both playing very well. And those Texans offensive linemen are completely outmatched against those two guys. So Watson's going to have yep. to be on the move. He's going to have to, again, slip out of stuff, make something out of nothing. And I don't know how long that lasts. It's fun to watch. Again, I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see him again against a real team. But I don't think that even that puncher's chance because of him is enough against a Chiefs team playing like this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I just, I'm so excited about Deshaun Watson. I want, I'm like Shea Serrano at this point. <laughs> I think we like, all have it's a little me, bit of Shea, Shea Serrano, Serrano right now. It's me, Shea Serrano, Mike Lombardi, and Bill O'Brien are the people who are excited about this. I'm loving this. It was like, incredible to watch I'm last fired week. up. Even against New England, he was, it was marvelous. I mean, it was just such a spectacle to watch him make those plays. And I think that's going to happen a lot. Again, though, there's a difference between excitement and just overall like efficiency. I feel like Kansas City is such a sound defense. I don't think we're going to see the same sort of communication issues it did last week. So much play action. I assume that's going to be a part of this again, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose their minds as it happens. I have a question. What's up? Were you aware that Dwayne Brown is still holding out? Yes, I am aware because I've seen Chris Clark and Breno Giacomini play tackle for the first month. What is going on there? I don't no know. one talks about it. Nobody cares. It's like, should. It, it should be a, it shouldn't be a massive NFL story. This isn't Cam Chancellor, but like this is in, impacting the, like the division race, the wild card race. And just no one talks about it because we wouldn't ha- be in the situation where he, he needs to pull stuff out of his ass and do Russell Wilson stuff all the time. Yeah. But we have like a legitimately good NFL player. Who's like, apparently going to miss this season and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. It sucks. I, it, it's very really strange. Good. Dwayne Brown was very good at the end of last season. He was hurt at the beginning of the year. He struggled. He was awesome at the end of the season. If he means anything close to that form, they need him. I mean, that's a guy that could seriously help this team. Very strange. Okay, Robert, I'm excited about this next one. Hit me. I mean, this is the probably the most relevant game between two 0-4 teams that we can imagine. The Chargers and the Giants haven't won a game. I I want to talk about this because I wrote about it on TheRinger.com earlier this week. And it just feels like... I don't know, something cosmic with this. Eli and Philip Rivers are going to be tied to each other for the rest of time. And they were traded for each other on draft day. It's been, you know, they've had very parallel careers. Neither has missed a start since taking over as the starting quarterback. And now both of their teams are 0-4 and they meet winless as probably their careers are coming to a close. So what I wanted to ask you is kind of similar to what I wrote about. Who do you think is going to play quarterback for the Chargers and Giants next season? And who would you rather be in the post-2004 quarterback era, San Diego, or the Chargers or the Giants? That's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm going to touch on that a little bit in the hottest take I actually believe. Okay. But I don't know the answer at this point because I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about burying both of these guys' careers because I think we've seen them at their worst before. Am I wrong? I mean, like, how many times has Eli looked done? This is like, I, he looked done the year they won the Super Bowl. So I don't think Philip Rivers is, I think Philip Rivers is playing better than Eli Manning right now. I don't think that Philip Rivers yeah. 
isn't necessarily done, but I also don't think he will be the quarterback for the Chargers next season. Ooh. The problem is he loves he loves San Diego too much. So is he going to retire? Is he going to go somewhere else? I just if he's going to if he's not going to play for the Chargers, I just assume he's not going to play next season. I mean, the guy's 30. He's going to be 36 years old. He it's an hour and 18 minute drive back and forth every day to work. He's got eight kids. He's already talked about. I mean, there was no secret that he wasn't thrilled about this Los Angeles thing. And it's gone as badly as it could have. I mean, this entire experiment could not be going worse than it is. By the way, I didn't really think about this. I wrote about it in my thing. Isn't it like a delicious irony that there are opposing fans buying tickets in the secondary market to run Dean Stanos' team out of the StubHub Center? I just think there's something amazing. amazing about that. <laughs> that that's it's my amazing. favorite thing about this. I, I, I can't believe they didn't foresee this. Did you uh, see that Philip Rivers' commute is an hour and 18 minutes? That, he lives very far north of San Diego. I, I think he lives up in, you know... Uh, so that's what he said. That's what he told Kevin Acey when they were talking about that mobile limo that he drives. The mobile, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all limos are mobile, but the mobile. Can TV we get him? Film can room. we get him a Kobe Bryant, a Kobe Bryant style helicopter? Phil Rivers isn't making that, that much thing. money. <laughs> I'm not sure He's Phil Rivers is much as Kobe helicopter did. every day money. Kobe Kobe took an, a helicopter for like 82 games or 41 games from Newport yeah, Beach. Was, Newport Beach to downtown is a little quicker than wherever philip rivers is coming from uh philip rivers one hour 18 minute commute is actually a pretty typical la commute yeah it's not that bad i mean it's harder than his san diego commute that's, was. that's 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 uh that's like the east side to santa monica i mean that's true but <laughs> yeah, yeah that that is true that is fair i mean so yeah i don't know the whole thing i think is just what i'm saying is the, the commute is not an excuse that's an just an la thing don't That's live in fair. Southern California if you don't want that. Well, well, he didn't live in LA before. He was living in San Diego. That's the thing. So, yeah, I would so rather be San the Chargers, Diego's in Southern California. It's not LA. San Diego yeah. Yeah, San Diego traffic is not quite Los Angeles no, traffic. No, it's Southern California. It, it, they're all it's all once you get south of like Fresno, you're just in traffic. That's it. <laughs> I uh so I think that once you, I once would you rather... get south of like once you get south of like Eugene, Oregon, it's just traffic. That's what it is. You're in San Francisco traffic, then you're in LA traffic. I don't know, man. I don't own a car. My life is pretty stress-free over here. So I, uh, I would rather be the Chargers. I think that just answering that question, I, that's what I wrote about. I just their problems are more easily fixable. You know, like Forrest Lamp will be back next yeah. season. You know, they'll Dan Feeney will hopefully yep. be able to step in and play. The Giants aren't yep. in that spot. I mean, they both Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg are free agents after this year. They're good. Yep. Like those are the good players. They have no offensive linemen and no money to use. They're going to have about thirty million in cap room with not with a, not a single starting offensive lineman. Like, can Eric Flowers play anymore? Why would you ever trot him out there again next year? You can't. So that thirty million dollars dries up real quickly. It, it just feels like they're stuck, and I don't know when it's going to get better. I can't imagine if they go six and ten that Ben McAdoo is there next year because even though this is his second season as the head coach, he's been there for four. And the offense looks no better. It's kind of an extension of that Dirk Cutter thing we were talking about. They wanted continuity on offense, so they hired Ben McAdoo. Why would you want continuity when you're just the most average or below average offense that that you could possibly be with those players? So it's I don't like know. when the Jaguars kept. It's like when the Jaguars kept Dave Caldwell. <laughs> it's not far off. Like what? Yeah. Why? Why? They're both zero and four teams, but there. I don't think you can have a more relevant game between two zero and four teams. I'm in on this game. I love this game. Because the thing about this game 
the thing about this game is that it, it's in order to have a truly, truly depressing NFL game, it's not just like two bad teams, right? Like the Jets and the Browns are playing this weekend, but like that's not, those are just two talentless teams. The Jets actually look okay. The issue is like when they're 0 and 4 and they should be 3 and 1. That's when you get into truly miserable territory. Yeah, the Giants, that's not really true. I mean, they're a worse team than the team they've played. The Chargers, are it's the same kind of deal. They're back and forth. Yeah. They were a field goal away from beating the Dolphins. I'm, t- I'm telling you, they're haunted. No, the, no, the no, 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 no. I don't mean they should be 3-1 and one the way they've played. I mean, they should be 3-1 and one when you look at the talent on their roster. And the oh, rest yeah, of the that's fair. No, no, yeah, I, I understand what you're yeah. saying. All right, let's get to the fourth one. Packers at Cowboys is my last game. I love this matchup. Like, we're the same age, Robert. It reminds me of like Pat Summerall, John Madden, 1995, and the rivalry has only gotten better. I mean, like the Dez Caudic game is still like a top five game in the last five years. And, and what so, about what Rogers I'm did excited. Last year? I mean, that game was incredible. What's that? What about what Rogers yeah, did no, last that's what year? I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And then we had the game last year. I'm a little bit disappointed these teams aren't going to be what they're going to be. I wish this game was happening on like Thanksgiving, but we'll live with it. I think I'm excited to see what both these teams look like against each other. I'm not that impressed by anything the Cowboys have done so far. And they're playing a team again that is so banged up. Hopefully the Packers are going to get some of these guys back this week. So pretty much everybody that's been hurt was at least a limited participant in practice. Mike Daniels, Brian Blaga, David Bakhtiari, even uh, (laughs) Ty Montgomery practice, which... You're tougher than me, man. Congratulations. To play running back with some broken ribs is ridiculous. So if they can get those guys back, even at a fraction of who they are, that's a huge step forward for Green Bay. The fact that they've been able to sustain this start without half their guys is ridiculous. I mean, it just really speaks well, to how good Aaron, the other people are It's Aaron Rodgers. Yes, that's fair. It's Aaron Rodgers is what it is. So I have a theory on this, and we've been harping on it for a while. I'm going to bring it up again. It's not so bad that everybody is banged up on the Packers as far as testing the Cowboys because there are, every team is so flawed and every team is so banged up that you, you just got to beat the guys you play. And so I think it's an interesting matchup because if Mike Daniels plays, I'd love to see him go against the Cowboys offensive line. Um, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of intriguing one-on-one matchups in this game. And then just look, the Cowboys secondary, we keep wondering if it got better, if it got good enough to make the Super Bowl. It's a pretty good test to go against Aaron Rodgers throwing amazing passes every basically 40 times a game. That That's a good test for the Cowboys secondary. We saw how much missing Ch- Sean Lee matters for the Cowboys last week, and it doesn't look like he's going to play again. So that's a huge loss. Their guys are going to be back in the offensive line. I think Chaz Green's going to play after missing last week. Jonathan Cooper was in. Mike Daniels is going to eat against any either of those guys if he plays. So the Cowboys offensive line, yep. we didn't talk about Dallas much last week, but their offensive line, or on the, on the Tuesday show, the guys that they replaced, they have lesser players there now. And the lesser players, yep. plus the lack of continuity, that unit is not playing as well as it has before. And I feel like we're starting to see it. I mean, their average yards per carry on first down last year was 5.25. They're not anything close to that. They are not the team they've been. And I think that that offensive line and the changes they've made are part of that. So if the Packers can be pretty close to fully healthy on defense, I think they have advantages in places where they wouldn't have a year ago. It's not as complete a Dallas team as we saw last year. And so I think the Packers will have advantages just by nature of of just, you know, the fact that the Packers have Aaron freaking Rodgers. But I think generally 
I mean, this this Dallas team will never be as complete as it was last year. I mean, everything broke right for them. The offensive line was, you know, historically good, I think, in a lot of ways. So it'll be really I just think the the testing aspect of it, I'm really excited to see what these teams look like. Yeah. I mean, I just I'm much more confident about Green Bay right now than I am about the Cowboys. Hell and yeah. Especially with Me those too. guys coming back. But you know, just... it is it is it is in Dallas. It is in Dallas. So uh, you know that 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 that's a wrinkle I kinda like. <laughs> yeah, I saw Aaron okay. Rodgers burn them down in Dallas last year. So I'm confident of his he ability sure to well, Jay, in Jay, that building. Jay, Jay. Jared Cook is gone now, so he can't make those incredible. It's a good catches. point that he was the key to it all. Martellus Bennett makes those catches now. Okay, it's time for my hottest take. I actually kind of believe it's an opinion I have that's informed, but it's a little bit hot. It's a little bit out there. It's not a pure hot take, but it's definitely not a milk toast take either. So for me, Robert, I think the Giants should go in full tank mode. Just get it over with. Ben McAdoo's not coming back. He already threw Eli under the bus in week two. That was the end of his career unless he basically turned it around and won 13 games this year. I know the Mara family doesn't like to move on from guys. You know, they basically gave Tom Coughlin three more years than he should have had. Yeah, it was like a Supreme but, Court appointment. <laughs> I know, but I think it's pretty clear that, that the Giants have to move on from McAdoo. Eli's long in the tooth. Just do everything you can to get like the second or first pick in the draft. Okay, so Just if that happens. Three and 13. If they get the first or second pick in the yes. draft, you have to pick a quarterback, yes. don't you? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like there's they, no way yes. you could go anywhere else. Yeah, of course. Of course, you pick a quarterback. Because there's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft, apparently. And so, I, whatever. I mean, figure it out. I mean, the, 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 the Niners had the second pick last year, and they traded it for a King's Ransom to the Bears for Mitch Trubisky. It was and like so two third-round picks. Calm down. King's Ransom. King's Ransom. They gave their franchise away. Herschel Walker <laughs> trade part two. I'm just doing that to screw with you. You know that, right? I know you are. Okay. So, no, I, I just think that Whatever it is, there a, a a good pick is better than a bad pick, and you're not doing anything with this season anyway. So just start over again. You have the defensive talent. You're not going to lose anybody. You, you signed all those guys last season. They're still under contract for another couple of years, um, and, and you know their guarantees. Most of them last through next year anyway. So just start rebuilding. You can win with the rookie quarterback in this league. We've seen it over and over again. So just just take it take it easy, guys. So what do they do games. with Eli then? You think they cut him? Nah, whatever. Do whatever you need to do with them. I don't care. <laughs> I've got like thirteen million you're, you're, dollars in dead money on his deal. I there's thirteen million dollars of dead money all around the league. That's the new salary cap reality. Yeah, but the Giants can't do that. The, the Giants have thirty million dollars in room and no offensive linemen, and they have to re-sign Odell Beckham, Moreland, and Collins. If they have $13 million of dead Eli Manning, which he probably is now anyway, they're just not paying him like it, that's untenable. Like it gives you $17 million in room to what are they, an entire what, yeah, what, what are they? What are they What are they paying Eli Manning to be dead now? 22. Well, he makes 22. 22 next year. Yeah, I was just guessing it was 22, but that sounded about right. I think you just press the reset button. Just I, I you don't. If you want to draft a quarterback, he's going to cost, what, $4 million next year? Keep Eli on the roster. Who cares? Just have the pick. Start moving forward. I, I think that, that the Chargers are in a similar spot. It's kind of what you're paying your quarterbacks overall. It doesn't matter what you pay Eli Manning. The rookie salary cap is is such that you don't need a guy. You know, you're not you're not paying him Sam Bradford money. He's not going to make eighteen million dollars. Well, that's what I'm year. saying. Just, just have him on the roster. 
I mean, it's yeah. kind of what the Bears and the kind of what, he can what be, the Bears did. He can be the Mike Glennon. He can be the he he can be the Mike Glennon of next year. Exactly. And I think that the Chargers are in a similar boat, and that's kind of why it's interesting to me because I feel like there's too much talent on the Chargers roster for them to go five and eleven next year. But if you're gonna yeah. be around that this year, and you're gonna have a pick in the similar range, and you could make a move to the second pick, the third pick to get one of those quarterbacks and not completely hamstring yourself for the future, this seems like the time to do it. And I think the Giants may be in a similar boat. Yeah, I mean, I just, I I, I think the Giants need to move on from Eli. Hey, whether that's a two-year plan or a three-year plan or whatever it is, it just needs to happen. I think you assign Odell to whatever he's worth. The cap is rising $10 million a year. You can figure it out. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about this entire modern era is that cap space it's rising so much it's meaningless after two years you know bad contracts become good contracts very quickly in the nfl because of what happens every single free agency period the nba is having that the nfl is having it that's just the economics of the sport now the salaries are rising so quickly so just sign odell to whatever he's worth get landon collins in the fold and just start building for the future well you can sign odell for whatever he's worth that's fine. You can sign it with whatever he's worth. I'm, I'm cool with that. But the way they doled out those contracts on defense, you can't build your team that way unless those are the finishing strokes on an already decent roster. If you're making those moves and you have completely right. barren areas of your team, that's how you get in financial trouble, where the Giants are going to find themselves next sure. season. That's why they, they made those eventually moves. They it's will. Like, Let's yes. fix this quickly. And they didn't. So I think that that's the issue. They're, they are eventually the money dries up. It's going to if you spend the way that they have. And you can't spend the way that they have if you have complete holes of elsewhere on your roster. It's just not the way to do they've it. They've obviously done quick fixes. They've, they've obviously made some missteps. Did Olivier Vernon need all that money? I mean, yes, he did because they were bidding against Jacksonville. But, that's okay. Those I mean, deals are all right to me. Yeah. You just have to understand no, who you are elsewhere. I'm saying... I'm saying they needed to patch some holes. They go out and they get Jenkins. They go out and they get Vernon. They get Snacks Harrison. I like that core. You, you yes. keep landing Collins. I like that core. There's a reason I picked them to win the division. I was completely wrong, but the reason is because I like the talent on the roster. You keep that together and you build going forward, but that doesn't involve Eli Manning. In my I totally opinion. agree. I, I totally agree, but here's the thing. it's The problem is with that core, you're paying your core combined like I think as of next season, they'll or at least as of 2019, maybe even next year, they'll pay that trio of defensive players upwards of $40 million. I would much rather have sure. the core of Joey Bosa on a rookie contract, Keenan Allen at $11 million a year with most of that guaranteed already off the books after next season, and a guy like Casey sure. Hayward that you got for nothing. So I think that's the problem is sure. they paid so much for that core, it's really limited them in terms of wiggle room elsewhere. Sure. I mean, it, but we're not, I, I wasn't arguing about the Chargers Giants question at this point. It, oh, would I you rather that. have, yeah, w- would you rather have a defense where everybody's on a rookie contract or is cost controlled like Melvin Ingram? Yes, absolutely. I'd much rather have Joey Bosa on a rookie contract than Olivier Vernon or JPP for 20 million. Yeah, exactly. Like th- things, things are going pretty well in San Diego. I'm just saying this is a, wholly independent Giants argument. I think they need to just wind things down. Hell, maybe just fire McAdoo. What about that? Why can't they do that right now? Would you rather? It was just a comparison. The fact that you can have a core and you can be rebuilding, but there's wiggle room that the other teams have that they just do not. And I think that's why as much as you want to rebuild, it's hard to do an entire rebuild when you're, I mean, JPP 
and Vernon make twenty million. Jenkins is going to make upwards of fifteen. I mean, to have that sort of money tied up in three players is tough when you want to rebuild other areas of your roster. And I do, I don't disagree I with you. I think Damon, it's, the right Damon it's just tough. Damon Harrison at nine is awesome. That's a great deal for the New York Giants. Yeah, it's, I mean, th- th- that conversation about run stuffers and how much they deserve to get paid is always interesting. I feel like his lack of impact as a pass rusher in comparison to other players at that spot makes that probably a fair contract rather than a steal. But I get what you're saying. I mean, he's a very good player to have at that number when you consider what, like, I don't know, like Dontari yeah. Poe is making. Sure. Hey, uh, not totally in on Brandon Marshall at uh, 6.5 next year. What a disaster that looks like. I mean, it's not Great. surprising. Good that contract. Like, I'll sign with you just because I don't want to leave New York. <laughs> good. I want to be on media. I want to make media appearances. That's good. But that's, that's how I've made all my yeah. decisions in life as well. Nice job. Okay, Robert, it's time for you to tell us what are we missing as we head into week five. I think one of the more compelling matchups of the entire week is the Jaguars front against the Steelers offensive line. The Steelers haven't been as good up yeah. front this year as they were last year. They had the best pressure rate in football in 2016. Roethlisberger's already been sacked seven times, which is very far off their pace from a year ago. But I think that they're going to be have their guys back this week. Marcus Gilbert should play with that hamstring issue. Ramon Foster's back in the fold. So their starters will be in place. And that Jaguars pass rush right now is something. They have 18 sacks through four games. I mean, you got Campbell, Fowler. What they do, I think the the sub package is what I'm referring to here. When they go to that, they slide Campbell inside, and they have Ngakwe and Fowler on the outside with Malik Jackson next to Campbell. That's ridiculous. And we've seen the impact of it. So I feel like they could really control this game against the Steelers line that hasn't been very good so far. The flip side, and if you go to the other side of that, they have two corners that can match up with the guys on the on the Steelers. So I feel like if Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye have a better chance of going toe-to-toe with Brown and Bryant than pretty much everybody else. So if you're looking at that, and then you have this awful run defense in Jacksonville. I mean, they are built for speed, man, and you can tell. And teams have been able to run over them, including the Jets. So I feel like this could be a game where we see a lot of Le'Veon Bell. Roethlisberger hasn't been very sharp. The Jaguars haven't been able to stop the run. It just seems like the best route for the Steelers here would be to hand the ball to Bell 30 times and just say, we're going to win or lose this way. It's interesting to me because Roethlisberger is getting hit a lot and getting hit hard. And that's the same problem that's happening in New England with Tom Brady right now, where he's been hit. What was he hit 19 times through the first three games, something like that. And obviously he got the crap knocked out of him by uh, Clinton McDonald last night. I think I mean, these old quarterbacks need protection. It's not natural to be in your late 30s or in Brady's case to be 40 and be this good at quarterback. It is really important that the Steelers offensive line gets good fast because Roethlisberger just needs to be upright at this age. Problem. I mean, we see this all the time. I think that it's an underrated element with offensive linemen. People are just like, well, why is so-and-so playing so poorly? He's hurt, man. It's <laughs> yep. not hard to figure out. And that's what's going on in both places. I mean, Pouncey is banged up consistently, but he was healthy last year. And that Steelers line was healthy last year. They were had some of the, I I think they were like the healthiest line in the league or close to it. And that continuity and having your guys at full speed matters. And the same thing was going on with the Patriots. Cannon is hurt already. Nate Solder is hurt. I mean, these guys being banged up just because they're on the field doesn't mean they're the guys we're used to. And I feel like that may come up this week. That's why I'm curious to see how they're going to perform against that Jaguars front, just be, because even if they're on the field, it doesn't mean they're ready to 
go toe to toe with a group like that. Yeah, I think the biggest question, Robert, when do you start to believe in the Jaguars? I don't. If they win, if they win Sunday, uh, you don't. You, you don't now. I don't. Even if they win Sunday, if they win I, Sunday, are you in? No, I, I just we talked about this. I just feel like there are still too many flaws on that team. Too many fatal flaws. That run defense is concerning. I don't know if that that's an area where teams can usually shore it up with a little bit of time, yeah. figure it out. But I just don't think they're necessarily built for that. And I feel like that's a problem. And Telvin Smith and Miles Jack can run with anybody, but they're not exactly thumpers in the middle of that defense. And I feel like teams are taking advantage yeah. of that. Kind of in a similar way to what Atlanta was defensively last year. This group is much better against the pass, but you can see that split. And then on the other side of the ball, Blake Bortles is still the quarterback. So that, that, that's, that is all that matters to me. I mean, he's going to do one or two things a game similar to Winston, even if he's playing decent. We're just like, what the hell? Like, why? Why would you do that? Why are you the way that you are? That's not going away. Remember people used to talk about Tony Romo's late game decision making? Like, you know, a minute 30 left, he throws some insane interception. Winston and Bortles are like that, but just for the entire season and their entire careers. That's it. <laughs> just like uh, insane decisions. You have no idea where they came from. Jay Cutler was the like quarterback the of my team for quarter. eight years. I understand this. <laughs> this is a life I've lived. Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler is still in the NFL. What does that say about the National Football League? It's great. What a sport. What a sport. We've got Danny Kelly's fantasy segment coming up. If you're into fantasy football, you need to hear Danny's advice. You also need to join 450,000 other people and download the Draft Fantasy Football app. You play in a live snake draft that takes only five minutes and lasts for only one week. You can join in a cash game right now for week five. And all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit if you use the promo code The Ringer. You can play in a free real money game just by dropping our name, The Ringer. And Draft.com is even offering 100% money back guarantee, so there's literally nothing to lose. Search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and play free with the promo code The Ringer. Now let's welcome in our good friend, the Ringer's own Danny Kelly. Danny is a tireless fantasy football genius. Danny, you're a genius. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> as we round the corner to the as we round the corner to the second quarter of the season, Danny is here with some fantasy football talk. Danny, who can fantasy fans buy low if possible? I think I think right now, if you have the chance to try and trade Des Bryant, go for it because. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, been, he's been hit or miss so far this year. I think he's got a two-catch game, a seven-catch game, a two-catch game, and then a five-catch game with two touchdowns on the year. Um, but that came against teams like the Giants, Broncos, Cardinals, Rams. You know, all those teams have pretty dang good secondaries, good defenses. And so I think he's due for a little bit of a breakout in the you know as the season goes on. Still one of the best players on jump balls, still physical freak, you know. The type of guy that can basically, you know, make plays no matter how close the defense is. So I'm going with him. They got Green Bay this week. Um, San Francisco after the bye. They face off against the Eagles a couple more times this year. The Chargers, Oakland. So there's there's some good matchups there, I think, down the line. Just take them to that Oakland matchup. It's also a target thing. You know, I mean, when when you're looking at fantasy football, just with receivers, targets are usually the number one indicator of, how guys are going to do over the course of the season. I know we only got two against the Cardinals in that Monday night game, but elsewhere, 16 against the Broncos, nine against the Giants, 13 against the Rams. They haven't been very sharp, but he's going to get so right. many looks that it just feels like he's a guy you'd want on your team down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's still their go-to guy. He's still the matchup nightmare, and 
I think, you know, as the year goes on, they, they get the, the schedule lightens up quite a bit. So he could be due for a big, you know, some, some big games. And yeah, if you have, if you have a chance right now, I think, you know, buy low, get him. Uh, and he could be kind of like a second half guy that wins your league. Um, the second guy I got in mind, and this one is, this one's tough because it's a little bit more of a projection, but I'm going with Sammy Watkins for the Rams. I just got done writing about Ooh. the Rams offense. Just got done writing about the Rams offense this week. Um, they haven't really even scratched the surface yet on how they can use him. I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys, highly talented, <clears throat> took him a little bit to get integrated into their offense. He, you know, he came in yeah. on a trade late in the, late in the off season. I think he's trying to get worked into everything right now. He's number one in DVOA among wide receivers. That means he's been incredibly efficient with the targets that he's gotten so far. He's a guy that gets a lot of yards after the catch. He's super physical. I think he's, a, he's going to be a red zone threat for them this year. So, you know, through a couple of games, he's only had one big game against the Niners in week three, but I think he could be the kind of guy who starts to emerge as sort of like the go-to guy in that offense. I think Cooper Cup is obviously going to get a lot of targets as well, but with the way that that offense is playing, with the way McVay has them clicking, I think he could have a big second half. Danny, do you have the same problem I do where you almost call Cooper Cup Cooper Coop every time? <laughs> is that it's just actually, me, Robert? Anybody? The fact that it's K-U-P-P also doesn't help. Like, K-U to me is not cup. Like, it should be coop. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, they're just trying to avoid confusion. Well, no, I, I thought, like, when I first saw his name, like, in draft guides, I thought it was, like, a situation where y- you pronounced his last name Coop, and then they gave him the first name Cooper, like, as a joke, right? Like, <laughs> that's coop. his nickname from high school. Yeah, it's Cooper Coop. <laughs> Like that guy, like we all knew a Cooper Coop in high school, like some some variation of that genre. <laughs> anyway, Danny, this is also very important like, fantasy news. Yeah, good. We aside, were talking about you. this in relation to the game this Sunday. Just the idea that the Rams have been so good throwing to the middle of the field because they've used so much play action. Just mm-hmm. feels like as that offense starts to fully form, that they're going to be able to push it to him outside the numbers more than they've tried to so far. I just feel like that's kind of the extension of who they've been to this point. Yeah, definitely. And when you look at the game against the Niners, he, I mean, just one play in particular, he got down the sideline um, and Goff hit him down the sideline for a big gain. And he's just so fast. He's really good off the line. He's physical and he's got the speed to like, if you, if he gets one step on you, he could be gone. So I'm still, I'm still, you know, really high on him. I think, you know, it's, it's again, it's sort of a big projection because one, we don't know if the Rams can keep up what they're doing necessarily. I think that what they've shown us so far has been super impressive and I'm, I'm definitely a believer, but yeah, I mean, he, I think he's, I think they're just really like in the, the iceberg so far on what they can do with him. I think he could have a huge piece in the second half. The other guy I throw out is, uh, is Matt Ryan, Danny. It just oh. feels like if you can get him, he's been awful so far, partially telling myself that because I need him <laughs> to be better. He's one of the four quarterbacks I have in my team that matters because I'm just trying to find a solution. So just tell me Matt Ryan's going to be better, Danny. Just say yeah, those Matt, words. Matt Ryan's going to be great, man. Okay, thank you. That's all I needed. We can move on. Okay. <laughs> we, we, need, we need to move on and stop just easing Maze's anxieties in fantasy football. That's, that's not what this is all about. It's easing my anxieties in every Anything way. Anything else, all Robert? Right. No, that's all any, I need. <laughs> any, other busts, any other fantasy busts you need Danny to tell you it's going to be okay with? Nope, that's it. That's all. I'm good. Okay, all right. Danny, give us a couple sell highs. Be mean. This is going to be so mean. Um, I think one guy to keep in mind right now, and um, amazed, I just picked him up in the in the ringer league, so maybe we want to trade about him, trade trade for this guy right now. But <laughs> Devin Funches, he is he's coming off of a two-touchdown game, big game for him. He's kind of emerged a little bit with the injuries to Greg Olson, Kelvin Benjamin. 
And I think it's, you know, it's pushed him into a little bit bigger role. But number one, Cam Newton still has only had one good game this year, really, against, you know, what had been yep. to that point the worst defense in the NFL. And so, and so, I, if I if I'm you, I'm I'm selling high on him just based on the fact that I think he's going to be a really high variance guy as the rest of the year goes on. I mean, Benjamin's still going to be the number one guy as long as he can be healthy. I think you know Christian McCaffrey's still going to be a huge target in that offense and in the passing game. And so I think you really it's going to be hard to rely on Funches to have tons of targets and lots of touchdowns every week. I, I, that's just how I see him. I think right now I think he's gonna he's a good player and he's probably improving as the year goes on. But I still think. If you can get anything for him right now, go ahead and go ahead and make that trade because he's going to be one of those frustrating guys as the year goes on. I think it's going to be one of the situations though, also where there's targets to go around in that offense without Greg Olson. I mean, they're going to have to throw the ball to somebody, and you're not going to feel good about Calvin Benjamin. I mean, the way that Funches has looked, he's looked like the best receiver on that team, which isn't saying much, but it's still going to matter. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's a risk you got to take. I'm I'm just still worried about. You know, honestly, I'm just worried about Cam Newton still. Like, yeah, understand great that last week, but you know, he he needs to do it against the defense that wasn't just you know completely out of position on so many plays. Who else you got, Danny? This one might make a little make some people mad, but I mean, I, I think if you can get a like a good skill position player for Alex Smith right now, I think you should go for it because. Wait, Danny, who 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 who's gonna be mad over that? <laughs> Alex KC Smith, fans, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I just think you know, right now he started about as efficiently and explosively as you could have hoped for. I mean, like we haven't seen this yeah. aggressive of a of a Alex Smith ever, really. And they've looked amazing. They've they've basically, you know, I, I love what Andy Reid has done, sort of marrying the West Coast offense with the college stuff. It's really exciting. It's 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 explosive offense, but question is can he keep it up all year yeah if you look at the rest of their schedule it's going to be kind of hard i think for them to keep up this amazing efficiency and and downfield prowess that they've shown so far they got the texans coming up they got the steelers they got the broncos twice that's always going to be tough they've got the giants i don't know if the giants are going to figure out what they've got going on on defense this year but last year they were a lot more impressive and hopefully they figured it out and then they got the bills on their schedule too who have to this point been the best defense in the nfl so there's a lot of really tough matchups coming up if you can somehow finagle, you know, a, a guy that could be, you know, either receiver, running back, or tight end that could be big for you in the in the rest of the season, I'd go for it. I kind of like the idea that Alex Smith has become that uh, that episode of Seinfeld where Costanza was doing the exact opposite of everything he thought, and like <laughs> Alex Smith now that Pat Patrick Mahomes is pushing him, so Smith is now just like, oh, I want to check down, so I'll just go forty yards down the field, <laughs> and that's it, and that, that's what he's been doing for the first four games of the year, and it's amazing. Oh, Absolutely, it. It, it's been fun <laughs> for me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay, before like we it. let you go, Danny, give us your under the radar guy. Danny, we've heard some rumors that you have a patent pending on this name, <laughs> and it's DK's Dark Knight. It's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> I'm not taking credit for that one. Uh, I'm going to throw Sean. Who, who the came up with that? <laughs> Sean came up with that. Oh, we're so it's bad at names on this podcast. Sean, it's Sean, it's Sean the Keegan, our NFL producer. Show. DK's dark. Knight, I just want. Guys. I just want. I, I. I want to clarify that it's Sean Keegan and not another Sean at the Ringer because uh, it's a bad idea and we don't want anyone being unfairly impugned. Uh, dude, I'm just kidding. He actually asked me, and I love you. I, I'm love you, Keeks. Full credit for it. Uh, DK's dark Knight with a K. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I assume with the K, or it, else it DK? makes less sense. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, um, <sighs> along you know, along the absurdity of the name, this one might kind of sound like weird because 
I think giving anyone fantasy advice based on the Dolphins is, is probably going to sound terrible, but Jay Cutler is a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Cutler just chilling out on the, on the sideline or on, on, you know, the wildcat smoking a cigarette. No, I, I look, if you look at what Devonte Parker's done over the last few weeks, um, I think he's averaged nine targets a game. You know, he's the, basically the one guy that, that Cutler's had some chemistry with so far. Um, I saw a pretty, yeah. uh, Nick Menzio over at Roto World. Titans have given up second most fantasy points to receivers this year and have allowed eight touchdowns to that position. And that's, that's who the Dolphins are playing this year or this week. So it's not only a good matchup potentially, but I think Parker's still kind of the only guy in that offense that's looked pretty good so far. And so um, he could be, you know, he could be due for another big game. I've always liked I bet if we told Devontae but... Parker... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. I've, I've always liked him. I've always liked him talent-wise. It's just, I can keep waiting yep. for him to break out, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen with Cutler as the quarterback. I mean, I would roll the dice on that guy consistently just based on how good I think he can be. It just feels like this was supposed to be the year with Tannehill, and uh, it's so hard to trust anybody playing with Cutler right now. I mean, God, he looks <laughs> awful. <laughs> if we I mean, told, been, if yeah. we told Devontae Parker... If we told Devontae Parker he was DK's Dark Knight, he would have some follow-up questions. <laughs> uh, Jay Cutler would love it, though. I'm sure Jay would be a big fan. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Later, it. Buddy. Coming up, the Ringer's Joel Solomon joins us for a new segment called Am I Crazy? We'll find out if we're crazy for trying this. We're also going to put on our visionary hats and talk about some storylines that will be huge next week. But first, let's give some love to our sponsors. Some people sit around all day on Sunday watching football games, but are they making money, Robert? I mean, we're paid to watch football games. Ben McAdoo is also paid to watch football games. <laughs> that's the only thing that's somewhere about us, or hopefully how good we are at our jobs. Fans, though, can make money on these games if they bet on MyBookie. We always talk about this. The best part about MyBookie is that you get fast payouts. Plus, if your favorite team sucks, you can make some cash betting against them. I actually really appreciate that. Before the Mitch Trubisky era started, that would have been a good move. If your team loses, you make money. That's a very good way to hedge your emotions. And if they win, you're still happy. Don't forget, they have live in-game betting and a solid mobile site, so you can get your bets in from anywhere. And when you're done with football, they have an online casino where you can play some blackjacks or even craps. I like that. Join MyBookie now with the promo code RINGERNFL, and they will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Time to make some cash, guys. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We've got a new segment today as we welcome in Joel Solomon from the Ringer staff. Joel has got some thoughts about week five and wants to know, am I crazy? Joel, go ahead. Kevin, I'm, thank you for uh, finally allowing me on your show while you're in Atlanta. This is really, I'm really honored to be here. You can tell there's just a I level took, of camaraderie I, 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 here I, I, with I, all, us all in different rooms. Yeah. I took a red eye, and so I'm really tired, and I let my guard down. And then they said, can you be on the show? And I yeah, okay, fine. Oh, okay. Well, that's how it happened. I do have thoughts. I, I do have thoughts. Big Chargers Giants game uh, with a, a lot to play for for these guys. Clearly, huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it is. It's it, it is incredible. I, I think this would be a great way for Philip Rivers and Eli Manning to end their careers by being traded for each other again, and then Eli going to the Chargers. Philip finally being able to play for the Giants. But but realistically, am I crazy or does the QB class of 2004, Rivers, Eli, and Ben, and I'll even throw in Larry Fitzgerald, all retire playing for that one team? Ooh, 
That's an interesting question. So, Robert, you addressed this earlier. You think Rivers retires a charger. I agree. I think it's probably sooner rather than later. Eli is a different question. I mean, what if they do pull the plug and try to start over next year, Robert? Does Eli go somewhere else? I feel like Eli would definitely be one of those guys that he could be a... Usually the Jets are this team. I don't think he'd play for the Jets. That's just the easy answer. I, I could see an Eli with a like Johnny Unitas in San Diego sort of end to his career. That wouldn't shock me. Roethlisberger and Fitzgerald, I can't see them playing elsewhere. I, I'll say one thing. Yeah, Fitz, Fitz is a Cardinal for life. I'll say one thing, and it was interesting because this has happened a couple of times with quarterbacks in the free agent market in the last three or four years. Because NFL teams put such a premium, owners especially, on being set at the quarterback position, there's less holes in organizations than there used to be. I mean, what kind of teams just desperately needed a quarterback last offseason? There was the Bears, and they solved that quite a bit uh, by throwing money at Michael Lennon and then, and then drafting Mitch Trubisky that high. And I guess I guess the Browns had a need, but then, then they, they took a guy in the second round. So the need for a veteran quarterback is is lessening year after year because all of the teams just want to be set with with a high draft pick. And so I think if Eli Manning made it to the, the open market, there wouldn't be a lot of demand for him. He's not very good. That's also part of this. I, like if Drew Brees is on the market next year, somebody's going to go after Drew Brees. There isn't a lot of motivation to have Eli Manning be your quarterback right now. I mean, that's what you said about Jay Cutler, also, to be fair. <laughs> True. <laughs> Jay Cutler's making $10 million a year to, to be the fourth wide receiver for the Dolphins right now. So in the team that Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator for next year, when their quarterback gets hurt, he's going to give Eli a call? I do agree with you guys. I think it would be Eli Manning, especially because he's not so quietly moving up the all-time interception list. And, you know, probably needs to pass Peyton before he retires. You can't walk away from that. I mean, yeah. it's just like got Kobe to. and the scoring you titles. Got to. All right. Well, speaking about Bears quarterbacks, my next one is obviously it's a, it's a new era now for the Bears quarterbacks. Jim McMahon, obviously probably one of the best Bears quarterbacks of all time, even though he's just a cooler version of Trent Dilfer. Rex Grossman took the Bears to the Super Bowl, so he'd probably be the second best quarterback. And then Jay Cutler is one of the best Bear quarterbacks who also happens to be one of the worst Bears quarterbacks of all time. Those are all of the quarterbacks for the Bears, by the way. Right. Then there's just like the worst and the best. Right. Then it's just like a lot of guys who are some version of Mike Tomzak. So am I crazy or is Mitch Trubisky already the fourth best Bears quarterback of all time? And I don't want to hear about Sid Luckman because Sid Luckman played when it was just black and white. And there's I don't think there's any evidence of Sid Luckman. This honestly might be true. Eric Kramer is a better quarterback right now. It's a better Bears quarterback than Mr. Trubisky. Eric Kramer has the all time single season passing mark for the Chicago Bears. All right. So now Trubisky moves to fifth. Where does Mike Glennon fall in this? Just what a, about uh, Kyle Orton? Kyle Orton actually was okay. Orton was better than Glennon. Yeah, I mean, Orton was better than Glennon. I, I think that, I mean, this is the first time since Cade McNown where the Bears have even have drafted a quarterback this high. I mean, McNown was a top 10 pick, but even right. Grossman was further down. They had the fourth pick in that draft, and they traded down. They drafted Grossman in, the, I believe, in the 20s. So it, they've never had a guy like this. I mean, it, it's been a long, long time since they've had this a crown jewel quarterback. Not a vintage list. You have Jim Harbaugh, Jim Miller, Billy Wade is in there. Um, yeah, it's not it's not great. Johnny I mean, Lujak, hey now. 
it would not take much for Mitchell Trubisky to be one of the best five Bears quarterbacks by the end of the season. I will just say that. The fact that they're giving him 12 shots really puts him in range. What a franchise. This is, you have something to look forward to then this weekend. All I set, set the bar low. I like this. The stakes are high. All right, Joel, your third one. A lot of my friends, they're Cincinnati Bengals fans and big believers in Carson Palmer. But I like that if you're a fan of Carson Palmer, the big highlight of his career you point to is a playoff game where his leg got rolled up by Kimo Van Olhoffen. And if, had that not happened, <laughs> the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl. Like that's what they hang on with Carson Palmer. That was, that was the first round of the playoffs, the first play of a game. Carson Palmer, very, he's taken some franchises and making them respectably ish mediocre. But I think one career playoff win, he got blown out by the Carolina Panthers in that NFC championship game. A lot of interceptions. Is Carson Palmer the product of tremendously mediocre era of quarterbacks or am I crazy? No, I I think you're crazy on that one, Joel. I mean, that's fair, but I did back it up. I, I think that Carson Palmer is – God, he's had a weird career. Barnwell wrote about this a couple of years ago, just the bizarre nature of Carson Palmer's career. And then he almost wins the MVP yeah. like in his late 30s after looking pretty garbage in Oakland for a couple of seasons. It's weird. I don't know if I have a handle on how good or bad Carson Palmer has been, honestly. So I talked to a GM a couple of years ago after the knee injury, and he said it took longer for Carson Palmer to become Carson Palmer again after the knee injury than anybody thinks. And he wasn't stepping into his throws enough. There were a lot of people who thought he was legitimately done. Like, you know, you talk to a lot of running backs after they blow out their knee, and a lot of the times it's they don't trust themselves on cuts, right? That's the big thing. And I think that there was a little bit of that with with Palmer just as far as stepping up in the pocket. I think he lost a little bit of that ability to he, he's you know he's not he's never been fast but there's such a thing as pocket awareness for any quarterback no matter how slow even, even if you're Dan Marino and all you have to do is take one or two steps up in the pocket I think he lost that ability a little tiny bit for a couple of years and we saw it in Oakland and it really brought his game down I think the Bruce Arians rejuvenated his career I don't think he's on the echelon with with Breeze Brady Roethlisberger no. uh Manning he, he's not there um, he is a solid B-list quarterback as far as uh, career goes. At, le- at least he survived that curse of USC quarterback. So I will give him that. I'm just trying to think of like true. who the That's actor true. that Carson Palmer would compare to. Like he's one step down from the real people, but he's been around for a while. He's the Sam Worthington of quarterbacks. No, that's way too yeah. much credit. That's, <laughs> he's more like someone in that Freddie Prince level. Oh, man, that's so cruel. This got very mean very quickly. Oh, God, we need more of that. Okay, Joel, thank you for joining us. You got it. All right, Kevin, week five is here. But before we get to the actual games, let's take a moment to zoom out and think about what's going to be the biggest headline of next week. What is yours? What are we going to be talking about on Monday? Sunday night, Chiefs Texans. The winner of that game is going to be spun into the hype world Unlike you can remember a team since the 2016 Minnesota Vikings, whoever wins that game is going to be the mid-October NFL darlings. We're going to be talking about how the Patriots have looked bad. We're going to be talking about how there's a passing of the torch between, you know, the, the old established good teams and then the new wave of superstars, whether that's Kareem Hunt we're crowning, whether that's Deshaun Watson, whoever wins that game in primetime, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth will be talking them up. 
I'm fired up to see it. I just know it's going to be a massive overreaction to whatever it is, either a, a five and two Chiefs team, which who I love, by the way, but it would still be an overreaction, or a three and two Texans team with a really good quarterback. Whatever it is, I'm excited to see it, but I just it's going to be a great premature hyping. I think that that's possible. I almost went that direction. If the Chiefs win, it's the oh Alex Smith and just kind of the retribution and Andy Reid, and this is the finally the year where it all comes together. I mean, I think that's easy to trace with Houston. It's just Deshaun Watson is here. I mean, that that's what it's going to be. I mean, yep. it's going to yep. be completely about him. For me, my thought is in a similar vein. Wait, it's but not I'm going to be about Bill O'Brien. I don't think so. I don't think we need the Bill O'Brien redemption story. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams kind of in a similar way. Yeah. I think the Rams beat Seattle and they do it in a way where golf looks good. And there's just this Sean McVay boy wonder, you know, Jared Goff finally is here. You know, this is such a turnaround and they bet the farm on him and maybe it wasn't a mistake. And it just feels like they're the team. If they go in to beat Seattle, who is really even if they weren't the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year, they've been the kings of that conference for the last five seasons. And if they can go in and win yeah. that game in any sort of convincing way, it just feels like there's going to be hysteria about the way their offenses look so far. Love it. I'm very excited. It's, it's, it's awesome. I'm glad we're here. We'll be back on Tuesday to recap that game and everything else from week five. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.